Um, so one of the things is when you follow a certain schedule, um, is that you don't get to choose so much, uh, you know, what you're going to study. Like, we're all following the Parsha, say. So let's say today we would like to discuss something about, um, you know, about Rosh Hashanah. But it's not in the Parsha today, so we're... We're not going to discuss, it's not during the time of the year. It's not Rosh Hashanah, it's not the Parsha. So what are we going to do? So we have to discuss what's in the Parsha. And the same thing is, um, the reason I'm saying this is today's, both of the talks that I try to follow every week, we do chapter 16 and we're going up Parsha by Parsha. And I don't have to do this, but... I just find there's a certain order to it, so we know, I know exactly what I'm doing every week. If you have to start choosing every week what you're going to be doing, you know, it's like uh, another uh, another thing, another hurdle. Oh, well, what are we going to talk? There's so much things to talk about every Parsha, you know. There's no end to uh, the words of Torah and the insight and everything else. And every week is is, is a million things, you know, that you can talk about and touch about. So the fact that I follow the... Uh, the way they study it, so it gives me at least a starting point. I don't really go through all of it, but it gives me a starting point. And um, so we'll do the same thing this week, but like I'm saying, my hands are almost tied, even though sometimes I want to talk a little bit more about uh, not such technical things, because, you know, this time of the day, and, you know, who wants to really get into technical stuff? But Today's, uh, at least the first sikha, mo- most of it, is technical stuff. It's technical technicality that we read uh, in the Torah. And of course, we are discussing the exodus of Egypt, you know, in this week's portion. It's after the plagues already, you know. The, we have seven plagues in the portions of Eira, and we have three plagues in the portions of Bo. And after the final, the tenth plague, Pharaoh agrees to let them go, okay? Pharaoh agrees reluctantly, you know, reluctantly. You know, even before, you know, we learned in the Parsha that it was Hashem who made his heart heavy. And, you know, the verse says in the beginning, which is uh, something interesting, it says, Hashem says, uh, come to Pharaoh. And it's interpreted as... Hashem didn't say, go to Paro. He says, come to Paro, which means Hashem says, come with me, I'm going along with you. you know, a lot of times when we got to face a Pharaoh, we got to face a, a strong man, we got to face the evil, well, we are afraid to take it along ourselves. Uh, so, uh, so therefore, um, Hashem says, Bo, let's go. We're going to go together to Pharaoh. You know, in other words, I'll be there with you. We face challenges in life, and sometimes we're afraid. We don't know how are we going to be successful, how are we going to be strong. Hashem says to all of us, Bo, let's go to Pharaoh. But Hashem says, I made his heart heavy, which means basically Hashem has taken away the choice from Pharaoh. So why is Hashem beating up on Pharaoh when Hashem took away the choice? If Pharaoh is not really, does not really have the choice not to let them go, Hashem has made his heart heavy. So why is Hashem, why are we beating up on Pharaoh, giving him all these plagues? It's not his fault. 
But I actually, you know, I was thinking when I read this this year, when I read, you know, yesterday on, on Sunday, I was reading the Parsha, I was thinking actually, look at the words. Hashem says, I made his heart heavy. Hashem doesn't say, uh, oh, I'm not going to allow him to uh, let you go. It doesn't say, it made heavy. What means heavy? Heavy means, means, makes it more difficult. It means, he still has a choice, more difficult. You know, take one example is, you know, when people have addictions. So, some people complain, you know, he says, I can't, you know, I'm addicted and I tied, my hands are tied. You know, a person who's addicted is actually very difficult for them. It's not, it's not, it's not made up. In other words, the struggle that they have is much more than the struggle than the struggle that other peoples may have, uh, who don't have the addiction. So it means that they have to fight more, but it doesn't mean that they don't have a choice. It just means that they have to push harder. And they have to fight, and you know, and they maybe sometimes they fail because they don't have the power to fight stronger. But so here by Pharaoh too, Hashem made his heart heavy, so it was difficult for him too. But he still had somewhat of a choice left. He didn't have to. Making his heart heavy doesn't mean that Hashem took away totally his freedom of choice. He just made it difficult for him. And the reason it made it difficult, and that was part of his punishment. Mm. To begin with, Paro didn't behave well. And this is part, I mean, the Rambam explains that, Rashi explains, this is part of the punishment. And you see it, you know, by addiction itself. The, the punishment for indulging and doing things that are wrong many times, you bring the punishment about upon yourself. You become addicted to it. And then who are you going to blame? And you say, well, I'm addicted. Well, of course you're addicted because you've been doing it over and over and over again until you are out of control. So basically, Paro brought it upon himself that Hashem made his heart heavy by constantly behaving in a negative way. That's that, I think that's in the words. If you read the words, that's in the words. Hichbaditi, hichbaditi made it heavy. Basically, it made it made it difficult. It made it weighed him down. Made him put a lot of pressure on him. But it doesn't absolutely. He didn't have to do it. Anyways, so Hashem punished him, and eventually, reluctantly, he let the. Jewish people leave. He says, you can go. But Hashem gave the Jewish people a few mitzvahs before they left, right? But the first thing what the Torah starts is, what was the very first mitzvah Hashem started with them? He talked to them about the moon, about the month. Because of course, all of the Jewish holidays hinge on the month. And as we'll see, we'll discuss, a month is determined by the cycle of the moon. 
if we have Pesach, when is Pesach? They're going to tell you Pesach is on the 15th day of the month. When is Rosh Hashanah? On the first day of the month. When is Yom Kippur? On the 10th day of the month. When is Sukkot? On the 15th day of the month. We always have to know when the month is. What is the most important thing in a Jew's life? It starts mm-hmm. with a, it starts with a C. The cr- creation calendar. Oh, calendar! A calendar. We need a. We gotta know. We gotta know when Yom is. You know, you gotta know when to celebrate. You know, there's the joke that I gave over a few times about. This couple, you know, they sort of drifted away from Yiddishkeit and then they decided to, you know, come back. You know, they said, we should really be doing all the practices. So what is a Jewish couple that decides to keep the laws? What do they need? The first thing they go out and they get a calendar and they take a look at the calendar and the wife says to her husband, she says, look, Pesach is just in two weeks from now. So she says, if we come back to Yiddishkeit now, so that means that we're going to have to start cleaning and scrubbing and washing and cleaning the whole house. So much trouble. Uh-oh, she says, let's wait until after Pesach, you know. <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the summer, there's nothing going on. Shavuos, all what you got to do is eat ice cream, so... We're going to make it easier. So, in any event, a calendar is a very important. So, the first thing, actually, the parsha talks about is the calendar, is the Jewish mother. How are we going to know how to celebrate Pesach? Pesach is Nisan, is the first month. So, we got to we got to establish a month. We got to say, oh. At a certain day in the month, we never, almost never celebrate the day of the week. The only time we celebrate the day of the week is Shabbos. Every seventh day is Shabbos. Shabbos is the seventh day. Keeps on going in a cycle. You take a look. There is no external sign for Shabbos. In other words, there is no physical change between Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Shabbos. There is no... Shabbos doesn't have any parameters, doesn't have any outside... What is Shabbos? The seventh day. You count six days, seventh day is Shabbos. Why is the seventh day Shabbos? Because God created the world in six days and they rested on the Shabbos. That's why it's a testimony. So that is up to the day of the week. But the holiday, you never heard that Pesach has to be on a Shabbos, no. Pesach can be sometimes on a Shabbos, and sometimes on a Sunday, sometimes on a Thursday, it could be. The days of the week don't matter. When is Pesach? Pesach is the 15th day of the month of Nisan. So we got to establish first what is a month? We got to know what is a month. How does the general, the calendar, the Gregorian calendar, how do the general calendars, how do they work? They work differently. Their calendar works by 
they take a cycle of the solar. The sun cycles approximately 365 days a year. In the Talmud, there are two opinions. Is it 365 plus 6? Or is it 365 minus 6? For our discussion right now, we may get into it a little bit later, it's enough that we'll say three, approximately 365 days. That's when a complete cycle of the solar, solar cycle. So how do people determine a month? How do we make our month? We take that entire cycle of 365 days and we break it up into 12 pieces. And one piece of 365 is January, the other piece is February, 12 pieces, once we go through the 12 pieces, and that's why we have February sometimes 28 days, we have sometimes a month of 31, just to straighten it out, but it's basically one piece of 12 pieces, and you go through 12 pieces, you get a cycle of 365 days. That's the, uh, that's the full cycle. Now, if you want to break up the cycle a little bit in more pieces, you can say there are four seasons, okay? As it cycles, you have the spring. You know, I want to talk about the spring now, what's freezing cold. <laughs> so let's talk about the spring, and then you get the summer, you get the fall, and you get the winter, okay? You have the four seasons. And these seasons repeat themselves every 365 days it takes. What does 365 days mean? 365 days means a cycle of the sun day and night is 24 hours. And it goes that, that it goes through 365 cycles of 12, 24 hours, that makes it a year. That's a cycle, a solar cycle. One part, you divide it into 12, one part becomes the month. Okay, that's what we do. The problem is that the Torah says, the problem is the Torah says, and we read in this week's Parsha, right in the beginning, Hashem says to Moshe that the Jewish month is being determined by the, by the moon. The moon goes through a cycle of 29 and a half days, approximately. And once there is a cycle of the moon, that's a month. 29 and a half days is a month. Okay. If you cycle 29 and a half days, but we do it, we do it easier. Instead of doing it 29 and a half days to break up the days, so we do it one month 29 days, so we're short a half a day. And the next month we do it 30 days, so we got an extra day. And that way, 29 between every two months... So what do we have? We have 59 days 
that's 29 and a half and 29 and a half is 59 days. So if one month is 30 days and the next month is 29 days, we have 58 days. We have 59 days. That's the... Now, if you should count six times 59, which is 12 times 29 and a half, okay? So you're going to end up getting 354 days. That's the times. Yeah, who, anybody have a calculator over there? Yeah, I, I just figured out 59 times 6 is 354. Yeah. What? It, you were right. 59 times 6 is 354. 354. So yeah. if we should cycle three years, uh, 12 cycles of this month, right? So that means while this moon cycles 12 times, it's not going to catch up to the one cycle of the sun. It needs another 11 days to be. Now, I don't know if you know, this year we're in a leap year. Now we're going to understand why we have this leap year. What does a leap year mean? That we added an extra month. A to. Exactly. We have two others this year. Why is that done? Because if you have 11 days extra after 12 cycles and then you have another 11 days that becomes 22 days and then you have another 11 days that becomes 33 days Mm-hmm. And then when we have the extra month, we're mm-hmm. sort of straightening out. It, and the change there, it all works out. But mm-hmm. in order to change it, we to get it so we're going to even out this yearly cycle, this solar cycle with the moon cycle. So the way it works is that every 19 years... In 19 years, you have seven leap years and 12 regular years. This is, this is the cycle that we have today by the calendar. You'll have the way the calendar is set up. Let me, before I'm going to go into the specific, originally there was no calendar. Originally there was no calendar. Originally... The way the months were determined was not by calculation. That was by the Bet Din. Which means, how do they know when Rosh Chodesh is? How do they know when the first of the month is? By the moon. By the moon. Witnesses to the moon. Witnesses to the moon. So they would tell you when Rosh Chodesh is. But still, Beisdin would consider a lot of the facts and they would add in a leap here. Not, today, we have it all scheduled. We know seven times in a, in a, in a, in a, in a then we have the 19 years. We have every 19 years, we have the solar and the lunar cycles coincide. But... 
Then Beisdin would decide. There were different reasons that Beisdin would add an extra month, whatever. It wasn't set up in a regular way. Today it was set up. But I have a very important question to ask you. Okay, we know the Torah says that it's this moon that has to be celebrated as the beginning of the month. Why? Because we'll see, it says in our parsha, HaChodesh Hazel Lochem, HaChodesh Hazel Lochem meaning the renewal. You know, they announce in the shul before Rosh Chodesh, the Shabbos Mabarakim, they say, the moled is going to be on this day. What does the moled mean? The moled means the birth of the Levana. It means the first opportunity to see the new moon. Because, as we say in the blessing of the Levana, the Jewish people are considered like the moon, which means sometimes they go down, but they are going to be renewed again. Shehem Asidim they are destined to be renewed. They're going to become again. So even if we are put down sometimes, even if we fall sometimes, but we are once again going to be raised and picked up and go up again. Shehem asidin We are destined. So we see the verse says, there are several verses that imply that the Jewish month starts with the birth of the moon. The birth of the moon means the first vision. Birth when the moilad, when it first can be seen. So we know that the month and the holidays go by the birth of the moon. And this is very significant because because I said before, that's all the holidays, that's all the dates. That's our Hebrew birthdays, okay? Our Hebrew birthday, it goes by. And a lot of times people say, well, my English birthday was on one time and now it's different. Yeah, the, the Jewish calendars are different. It goes by the moon. So therefore, okay, that's been established. But the question is, how do we know that there is 12 months in the year? Mm. Who's it? And the answer to that is because in the Chumash it says the first month, the second month, up till Shnei Masa, the 12th, we know that there's 12 months, that's not. Mm. Okay. So one can say, why don't we say like this, the Jewish year in other words, we have proven, this is an important part as well, because we have proven, we know, that the Torah tells us that the Jewish calendar should be, uh, should follow the cycle of the moon. We know that. But maybe we should only follow the cycle of the moon. So let's just do, just like we do the weekday, uh, we do Shabbos during the week. So we have seven days. Six days is weekday, then is Shabbos. Another six days, and then is Shabbos. So why don't we just do this? Twelve cycles of the moon, one year. Next, ten, another twelve cycle, that's another year. Yep. We'd be off-season, 
So okay, why? Okay, what's going to be off season? Elaborate. Excellent. Like, yeah, so like when the holiday for gathering the crops comes, it won't be at the right time of year because it will be off season. If we'll just keep getting straying more and more. Excellent. Away. But very more specifically, it's interesting that you mentioned that, which the Torah also tells us that the festival of Sukkot should be in the time of harvest. You know, when you gather, but the most important is Pesach. The Torah says to you, you gotta be careful that the month of Nisan and that the Pesach should always be in the spring. Can you imagine if we had 12 months of the of the soul of the lunar and you are now 11 days behind the uh, solar and then next year you're going to be 22 days behind and so on you're going to have Pesach in the middle of the winter and you're going to have uh, Sukkot in the middle of the summer and the Torah tells you Shamor es Chodesh Ha'aviv that you have to make sure that the month of Pesach the first month the month when they went out of Mitzrayim also that the festival of Pesach has to be in the spring. So therefore, Beisdin would determine, before we had the calendar, if Beisdin would see that the spring uh, is going to be delayed, in other words, that Pesach is going to be not in the spring, Pesach is going to go further away, so the base that would add another month. We make the Adar like we talked about. And basically would make sure that, I'm, I'm sorry, if, if, they, if it would be too early, if Pesach, because we had the cycles, came ahead of the, ahead of the solar year, and Pesach would be like still in the winter, so basically would put in an extra month to push it up so that Pesach should always be in the spring. That was when Beisdin determined it by the witnesses. And now they set it up. They just set it up that the cycle of the sun and the cycle of the moon it works out that they between the seven leap years and the twelve regular years that they all end up at the same time. Let's see this a little bit in the words of Maimonides. Maimonides? What? Yes? Just a question. Sure. You had said at the beginning that this law was given to us while, while we were still slaves or once we had gone out into the desert? Well, when is the question? Well, this was still in Egypt. Yeah. Before they left. Oh. But they already... Uh, it says that starting from Rosh Hashanah, the slavery was finished. So this was already Pesach time. So they already had about six, um, I guess during the time of the plagues that each one took. Each plague took about a month. So they were, they were uh, already, um, they were already um, free to a certain extent. But they were still in Egypt. 
And the freedom actually, so this was, Hashem was actually telling them, this was on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, Hashem was telling them, look, this is the new moon, this should be the first month of the year, followed by the, the other 11 months later on, so you have a total of 12 months. And then he told them that on the 10th day of the month, they should each take a lamb, tie it to the bed, they should inspect it for five days, and then on the 15th day, as we're going to listen soon, okay. uh, and then later on they should check it, we're going to talk about that soon. Okay, so, uh, I just want to bring down, I'll show you over here, that the verse says, HaChodesh Hazeh Lochem. Chodesh Hazeh Lochem means this renewal, Rashi brings down, that this should be Rosh Chodesh, when you see the new moon. But also that this should be the first of all the months. Rishon Hu Lochem the first of the month of the years. So you see that it has to do with the renewal of the of the of the of the moon because that's what it hinges on. And look, and then in the portion of Rosh Chodesh, the, the Pasik talks about over there. It says, in the end, it talks about Rosh Chodesh about Rosh Chodesh. Then it says, Zos Olas Chodesh Bechotshay. Ola is the burnt offering. This you should bring, the burnt offering. Every month, Bechotshay means it's renewal, when the month renews. What kind of a renewal is there in a month? You know, January, February, March, April, all these months, there's no renewal over there. There's nothing renewing over there. It's like I said before, it's one part of 12. That's all what it is. But there's no renewal. The Torah here definitely associates Rosh Chodesh with some physical renewal. That's the renewal of the moon. That's what the Torah says. So it's very clear from the Pasuk, from the verse, that Rosh Chodesh needs to be done at the beginning of the month. Rosh Chodesh needs to be done when the sun, when the moon is renewed. And then the question becomes, like we discussed before, but why, why connect it to the to the solar? Let's just do twelve months and then start again. And for that, the answer was the seasons are also important, and that's what we have. So this is the Rambam. Rambam has laws called Kiddush Hachodesh. He talks about the sanctifying. It's a very detailed and very elaborate. It's interesting that a lot of the math that the Rambam makes here, and he goes into a lot of the details, uh, is, 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 is based on the best information they had at those times, based on the astronomy and based, you know, the so a certain section towards the end of this chapter, the Rambam, the Rambam goes through tremendous calculations to try to show us exactly the position of the moon, where the moon is, where it can be found. He goes through a lot, a lot of astronomy over there. Uh, doesn't necessarily fit today the way the astronomer says today, but it's just amazing to see how the Rambam went through all these specific calculations, but this is the very beginning. 
uh, instead of reading the whole thing inside, I'm just going to say to you what I told you before, basically, is uh, the Rambam says that the um, the month is determined by the moon, and he also says that the year needs to be the sun. Is it Shenemar? If you look at the end of, of Halacha 1, Shamor et Chodesh Aviv. Keep, make sure it's a month of the spring. You gotta make sure that Pesach and Nisan are in the spring. You can't have Pesach and Nisan be in the middle of the winter. So therefore, you have to add. And then the Rambam goes through. It's about uh, uh, 11 days that the solar cycle is more than the lunar cycle and therefore we will add an extra month. And that will be done by Bezdin. But then the Rambam goes ahead and says that there is a calendar and the calendar straightens it out. Basically. And there is two opinions of Shmuel and Ravada, where I told you before and this is part of the discussion, the main discussion of the Sikha. What I was telling you now is some of the preliminary stuff from the Rambam, but I mentioned to you earlier, there is a question, what is the exact cycle? How much is it? I'm just wondering, we can Google that. I think, what, did, what did they say today? What is the exact... Uh, what is, Chaya, maybe you can Google it. What is the exact... How many days is the cycle of the uh, solar. 365 what? What are they And a say? half, I think. That, no, a fourth. No, and a quarter. A fourth. A, a quarter. quarter. A quarter, a quarter. because every four years is a leap year. So 365 and a quarter days. And a quarter? So it's 365.6. Yeah, so it's a leap year every point four years. 365.6. Point, point, point four. No, so it's like 24 point, point hours. Two five. Huh? Yeah, 0.25. Yeah. 0.25. Okay. Yeah. 0.25. Quarter, yeah. Okay, 0.25. So it's 365 plus six hours. Correct? 365 yeah, yeah. days yeah. plus six hours. Right? Because if it's 24 hours yeah. per day, one right. quarter is six. Right? Mm-hmm. So that would be the opinion of Rav Ada. Hmm. Uh, Shmuel... Actually, no. This is the opinion of Shmuel. Rav Adda says that it's minus six hours Mm. this cycle. Mm. It it differs. The issue that the Rebbe addresses is halachically speaking, it looks like sometimes we go by what Shmuel says and sometimes we go by what Rav Adda says. And the Rebbe's question is, how could we reconcile and have both of them. And the Rebbe has an interesting take on it. And the Rebbe says there is two approaches. There is the physical approach, the way we th- see things in this world. And then there is the spiritual level. So they may differ. So while it manifests itself one way, it could be another way. The Rebbe goes through the whole thing. But this will be enough for this. Let's just move on to the second sikha for a uh, brief Review of the second talk over there. Over there, uh, we touched on it before. 
Uh, about what were the Jews commanded? Now, this is also a question. You know, we have how many mitzvahs do we have? Oh God, three sixty-five, three one, six one three. Sorry, six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs, right? Six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. So, uh, and um, and then and, and then the Gemara says that um, that anoichi and lo yilecha is But anyway, there's six hundred. 613 mitzvahs we have, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we have 600? What are the 613 mitzvahs? What are the 613 mitzvahs? We always say, if you ever open up a combination lock in a shul, so what's the combination? 613, that's usually, <laughs> it's one way to remember. They all make the combination 613. So if you ever don't know, you come to a shul, and you know what the combination is, you put 613, and you probably get in. But anyways, why is there, uh, what are these 613 mitzvahs? So, you know, there are many uh, codifiers and scholars that are, you know, reviewing the entire Chumash and all the commentaries to try to figure out what are the 613 how do we get to the number of 613? And there is various difference of opinions, there's various difference of disagreements about how do we get, which are, which are part of the 613 mitzvot or not. And there were very different books written about it, Sforim, rabbis debating this issue. One of the great rabbis debating this issue was also the Rambam, Maimonides. He also addresses it. And he has his own list. He actually has his book. His book is called The Sefer HaMitzvah, the book for the mitzvahs. You know, that's the mitzvahs. Over there he lists how many mitzvahs? 613. 248 are positive, which means do mitzvahs. And 365 are negative, which means prohibitions. Don't do, Okay. Together we have 613. 248 and 365 is 613. But how do we put together 614? Which mitzvah is 613? So the Rambam gives out a uh, so the Rambam says, generally speaking, if we have one subject, but there's two parts of it, that's not two mitzvah, that's one mitzvah. It's a mitzvah of one part. So an hour parsha. So what do we read? So Hashem, Moshe, instructs, Hashem tells Moshe to tell the Yidden, to tell the Jewish people, that they should take this sheep. Now, it was different the first time around. They had to inspect it for five for four days, for the fifth day, and then on the 14th day, slaughtered it, that's called the Korban Pesach. For the generations later on, on the 14th of the afternoon, all Jewish people slaughtered the Korban Pesach, and at the night of the Seder, on the 15th, 
they ate the Korban Pesach. That's why we have the sandwiches, we ate the matzahs, to commemorate the Korban Pesach. We do it all for the Paschal sacrifice, the Korban Pesach. So there's two processes for the Korban Pesach. One to shecht it, and then another one to eat it. You shecht it and you eat it. So the issue is, is shechting and eating two separate mitzvahs? Or is shechting and eating part of the same mitzvah? You have to bring the Korban Pesach. How are you going to bring the Pesach sacrifice? You're going to have to shecht it first, and then you're going to eat it. You can't eat it without shechting it. So the Torah, it seems like it's two parts in one mitzvah. The part, one part is to shecht it. And the second part, shecht it means to slaughter it. And the second part of it is to eat it. So the question that the Rebbe presents over here is, how come it was divided into two separate mitzvahs? <coughs> when the Rambam counts the 613 mitzvahs, <coughs> he counts one mitzvah is to shecht it on the 14th, and the other mitzvah is to eat it on the 15th. And that's how he has two. Two out of the 248, he split it into two. So the commentators are asking, how come the Rambam split it into two? It's really one. It's just two parts to one mitzvah. And some want to say, well, it's done in different times. The, the eating is done at nighttime, and this is done during the daytime. But there are other mitzvahs which have other times. There's still one mitzvah. They're not separate mitzvahs. And this is the whole debate the Rebbe goes into explain why is this a separate mitzvah. And the Rebbe says just in, inherently, we're not just eating the Korban Pesach. Korban Pesach has a lot of, lot of additional conditions. We've got to eat it with a matzah. We've got to make a sandwich. We've got to eat it with the murder. We're eating it during the night of Pesach in which we're saying the Haggadah, we're celebrating. It's not just eating something that we shechted on Wednesday. It's not just as simple as that. It's a whole new story over here. It's a separate mitzvah because this is in a Rabbi says that the exodus of Egypt changed around, gave us sort of a new life. It gave us, made us a new identity. It made us to a Jewish people. It's not just we're eating something that we shechted before. This is something major. This is something very, very important. And that's why we count every part of it as, as a mitzvah. And Rebbe goes into great details. But the idea in general is over here, the Jewish people were lacking some special mitzvahs in order to uh, elicit from Hashem to take them out from Egypt. And this was the special mitzvah. The mitzvah is Pesach. Pesach is to jump over. It represents God jumping over the houses. But it also represents in our own life to give a leap, to give a jump over. Mm. The Jewish people could not just go out slowly from Egypt because if they went slowly, they would still drag along some of their old baggage. You know, a lot of times we want to change. Uh, we want to do something different. If we go slowly and we go with a little bit, very hard 
to leave behind. Sometimes you have to take, as they call, a leap of faith. You gotta take a jump, a Pesach. You gotta do, go, jump right into it. And when you jump in, you gotta learn how to swim, you know. <laughs> you learn how you swim when you're in the water, then you learn how to do it. And that's the way to go about, you know, to uh, do things right. So, this is uh, the idea to be able to find it in ourselves, the strength and the chutzpah to go ahead and do what we have to do, the right thing, even though it's difficult, even though we got to jump, we got to be, like it says, like a deer that jumps over the mountains, like it says in the Proverbs, and jumping over and reaching our goal, and that would help us, you know, connect in a powerful way, and then Hashem jumps for us as well, which means drags us out, helps us out, and brings us to the land of Israel, the promised land. That's the good place we want to be, with all good feelings, good emotions, and um, hopefully we'll be successful. Okay, we'll leave it, leave it over here today. Yeah, I was thinking about sure. the coincidence with the word leap, Pesach, yeah. and we were talking about leap years having leap, to be put into excellent. the yeah, good. calendar. Good point. Go ahead, Nancy, yeah. So would you say that the physical part of change, right? The the physical part is you have to do quickly. You have to actually do the work, right? But the me- emotional part takes time to catch up. And that's where Hashem, the physical part we do ourselves, but then the, the emotional part we need Hashem's help to help us adjust, right? Because yeah, yeah. we have these habits, the, the way of living that we've done for so long, just because you physically move yourself in another place doesn't mean you're going to change your habits right away. So absolutely, um, but but maybe maybe that alone. Maybe I'm just maybe sometimes let's say people want to make a decision. Uh, let's just say we'll keep kosher. Or let me just say whatever it is. You know, you know if you say you know you know I'll do it a little bit. You know sometimes they tell you. Even in uh, modern uh, psychology, they tell you, you got to do it cold turkey. You got to say, hey, you know what? Today, kosher. So That's the physical, that's a physical action. Yeah, no, but, but that, yeah. But that's right? a... Right, so the physical action, you do it. You just do you it. You just do it. Yeah, like but I said. But it might take you some time to yeah, yeah, exactly. get yeah, used yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but I'm saying sometimes we got to take that leap because... You know, if we just go, you know, we're just going to do it a few days a week, you know, or, or want to eat out. So you gotta, sometimes you got to jump in, or anything, in whatever the decision is. Sometimes you got to do it. Anyways, we should all be able to do what we need to do in an easy Amen. and a good way. See everybody next healthy. week. And, and, and stay healthy, and stay everybody. Healthy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Good class. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Great class. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mrs. Ryan. See you next week. Okay. Stay well. Bye-bye, Rabbi.